Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. And we also want to, as you're turning there, I want to spend a few moments in prayer. And I want to pray specifically this morning about our evangelistic zeal. Asking the Lord to give us and work within our souls a greater heart for the lost in our community and around the world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace in our lives in saving us from our sins. Lord, giving us new life in Christ. And this not of ourselves, it's a free gift of God. A result of your goodness and grace working in our lives by faith. And Lord, even as we celebrate with Tori's baptism today, we are reminded of our own salvation in Christ, that it is, it is Jesus that saves. It's because Christ, as we sang just a moment ago, was he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross and he rose again from the grave. And he's ascended into heaven and someday he's returning and those eternal realities are what saves our soul from death. The blood of Jesus availed for me and for us. But Lord, we also realize that the blood of Jesus is sufficient to save all who will trust in him. Even the many millions across the globe who have not yet placed their faith and trust in Christ. Even thousands in our own community, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people in our own area and region that have not yet trusted in you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for our lack of evangelistic zeal. Forgive us for times when we felt the leading of the Holy Spirit in our souls telling us to share about Jesus or talk about Jesus. And we, rather than talk about Jesus, we made excuses. Lord, forgive us of our silence. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be bold to share the gospel of Christ in this day, in this generation, in these times when we need to be bold for Jesus, telling people that the time is short, Jesus saves. So Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. And Lord, we pray for your empowerment to share the gospel, break our hearts for the things that break yours. Lord, help us to see the loss through your eyes, beginning here in the Tri-Cities and extending out around the world. Lord, I pray that you would give us a heart for people far from you, even as we were once far from you. Lord, that so through our witness that they would be brought near. Lord, give us boldness, give us courage, give us the words to speak. Lord, help us to simply trust you. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. Speak to us from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 24, beginning in ver- or 25, beginning in verse 14 and reading through verse 30. Matthew writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, recording the words of Jesus. For it is just like a man who was about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, to another one talent, depending upon each one's ability. Then he went on a journey. Immediately, the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man who earned with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, 
dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I have earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. The man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I have earned two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. His master replied to him, You evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gathered where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers and I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you, and Lord, we thank you for these words. And Lord, I pray that these, this parable that you told us would ring out into our hearts and motivate us towards greater service and greater passion to use all of the gifts that you have given us, all of the time that you have given us, everything that you have given us for the glory of our King Jesus. So Lord, speak to us now from your word. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You heard it said, begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. This applies in so many different areas of life, doesn't it? Begin with the end in mind. One of the areas of life that came to mind as I thought about that particular phrase was the guy with the big hair that paints pictures on television, Bob Ross. <laughs> Every time I see him, I not only imagine, uh, admire his paintings, I admire anybody that can grow hair like that. <laughs> I'm like, new heavens and new earth, man. <laughs> you come see me, man. It's going to be epic. <laughs> But I think about watching him, when I watch him over and over, I watch what he does and how he, how he paints his, his paintings. You know, there's a, there's a happy little mountain that lives over here, and, and happy little trees that live over here. And, and he just, just sounds so wonderful. And, uh, but when he begins his paintings, he's always beginning with the end in mind. He thinks about, I want a mountain here, I want trees here, I want a little river here, I want sky there, it's going to be at sunset, the, sky, the sun is coming from this direction. He begins with the end in mind. Otherwise, he would have a painting that would look a lot like what it would if I painted it. <laughs> who has no idea how to do any of that. I commend those of you who have artistic abilities. I did not get in that line when Jesus was handing out gifts. <laughs> There's other ways that you have to begin with the end in mind. You think about 
This time of year, if you are a college student, if you are selecting classes for the next semester, you begin with the end in mind when you select out the courses that you want to take in the next semester that you are signing up for right now. You begin with the end in mind. I want to take the classes that are relating to my degree. I don't want to take a class that doesn't help me to get to where I want to go. Same is true financially. If you want to retire in X number of years, many of you are making those calculations right now. You know you've got to save X amount every year in order to get there to the end so that you can reach the goal for which you have planned in your life. Now, while that is true of Bob Ross, and that's true of the university, and that's true of financial planning, that's also true here in this passage as well. Here in our passage, we see a glimpse of the end. And it could go one of two directions for you. And the question before us today is, how are you going to be ready for that day? And beginning with the end in mind, what is it that you want to hear Jesus say to you on that day? Do you want to hear the voice of our Christ say to you, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will you hear him say to you on that day, you evil, lazy servant? Begin with the end in mind. What is it that you will hear from the voice of our Christ? What is it that you will hear from the voice of the Savior on that day? That's what Jesus is talking about over and over and over again here in these two chapters. Be ready, be ready, be ready. What is it that you will hear from the voice of Jesus, from the lips of the Savior, the one who died for you and rose again? What will he say to you on that day? How can you be ready to meet King Jesus? Here in this passage, we have the parable of the talents. And the whole point of the parable of the talents is begin with the end in mind. Be ready for the return of the king. What I want to do today is I want to walk through the parable of the talents little by little. In each each section, I want to show you one principle from this parable that help us to begin with the end in mind. Jesus begins this parable by saying, it's like a man going out on a journey. It's not, this parable is not about the journey itself. It's about what happens when this master, when this owner is out on his journey and what the servants do with the gifts that they have been given, with the stewardship that they have been given in responsibility while the master is away, while the master is out on his journey. You see the application to us as believers. Our master is out. Our master is away. He is in heaven. And we as believers have responsibilities here in this life to steward the gifts that he's given us well for his glory and his kingdom and how we steward what we have been given will have direct impact on what we will hear on that last day and so the king goes on a journey and he says it's like a man going on a journey well what does it stand for in verse 14 he told us in verse 1 he's telling us this parable about the kingdom of heaven The rule and reign of heaven, the rule and reign of God, the rule and reign of heaven in your life is like this. It's like a man goes on a journey and entrusts his possessions to his servants, depending upon each one's ability. Now, notice the ideas of trust and his possessions. In order to trust someone, you have to deem them to have, you have to have confidence in their skills, in their character, in their reliability, and in their integrity. 
And so the master is saying these are ones who have character, reliability, and integrity to entrust, notice, not their possessions, but his possessions. It's critical for us to remember that everything that you have in your life does not belong to you, ultimately. While you may have a title on it, on your bank account or on your car or on your schedule, maybe you have in your bullet planner, maybe you have your name in the front of that planner like I do, I must recognize that every second that I plan of every single day is not my own. I was bought with a price. It belongs to the Creator. And whether it be your time, whether it be your talents, whether it be your money, regardless of what it is, every single aspect of your life ultimately belongs to Jesus, and we will, every one of us, be held accountable for how we use His possessions for His glory, remembering that we are stewards, not owners. That's when we become, that's when we get into trouble in our Christian life, when we pretend to be owners, like this is our stuff, rather than beginning with the end in mind, realizing that one day we will give an account for the things that God has entrusted us with. And so the master calls his three servants together. He entrusts one with five talents, one with two talents, and one with one talent, depending upon that particular servant's ability. The master knows his servant so well that he knows what he can entrust each servant with. He gives us exactly the gift that he knows that we will need for our station in life, for our particular time frame in history, for our particular pages on eternity and for our particular location, wherever he has, he's given us exactly what we need in order to bring him glory to himself. Every one of them, every one of his servants are given a significant responsibility for the kingdom. And did you know what a talent is? A talent is not like what we use today to talk about talent. So often today we use talent to refer to some kind of ability. Kind of like, like America's got talent. Like we think, okay, some people can sing and other people can eat fire, right? And so that's a talent, right? <laughs> and um, regardless of whatever your talent is, that's what you do. Maybe you ride motorcycles and jump cars. I don't know. But um, <laughs> what is your particular talent? Well, that's the way we use it today. But that's not what Jesus was talking about here. In that world, in the ancient world, in the world of Jesus, they would have known exactly what he's talking about. A talent is a sum of money. So this is actually a financial parable. And first, it's a parable about how do we use our financial resources for the kingdom. It's not less than that, but it's much more than that. So it applies to our finances, but applies to really every aspect of life. Jesus is actually using a financial example here. And so what is a talent? A talent is actually an enormous amount of money. One talent is equal to 20 years worth of labor. It's the money that you would make. It's the money that a laborer makes in that day for 20 years. So he gives the first guy five talents. He gives him five times 20. He gives him 100 years worth of earnings. That's incredible, isn't it? A hundred years worth of earnings. In today's dollars at minimum wage, that would be $3 million. Huh. 
First serving gets $3 million. Second serving gets two talents. That would be two times 20. That would be 40 years worth of labor, adding it up at minimum wage. That would be $1.2 million. And then the third servant gets one talent. That would be about, that, that would be about uh, 20 years worth of labor at minimum wage. That would be around $600,000. And 2,080 hours per year. And so we see that he has, even the one who was only given one talent, don't think of it as insignificant. Don't think of your talent as insignificant. What these talents are meant to represent is they are to represent our entire lives. Whether they are short, whether they're long, whether you live 40 years, whether you live 90 years, doesn't really matter. It's everything, the totality, the sum of everything that God has given you in your time, in your talents, in your treasures, everything that you have. It's given to you as a gift from God. We are given it to for a season, and then there's going to come a day when we will give an account for how we use our lives for the glory of Christ. The first two servants, notice the word at the very end of verse 15. At the very end of verse 15, he uses this word immediately, with haste. They get after it. They go and they put the one who got five talents, puts the money to work and earns five more. Immediately, the one who gets two talents takes that, immediately puts it to work. But the one who only received one talent goes off, digs a hole in the ground, and throws it in the ground out of fear. His core motivation, listen, his core motivation in burying his talent is he is afraid of getting it wrong. More on that here in a moment. Because I think there are some of you who have gifts and talents and you're burying them, whether it be a talent, whether it be a gift, whether it be financial gift, regardless of what it is. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's prayer. What is it? But I think you've buried it out of fear that you're going to get something wrong. More on that here in a moment. But principle number one is this. God entrusts his resources to his people and expects them to be good stewards. God entrusts his resources, my life, my time, my breath, all from Jesus. And so he entrusts me to be a good steward of what he has given me. Let me ask you this question. What has the Lord blessed you with? You might say nothing. Well, let me prove you wrong. Everybody breathe in. Deeply breathe out. That's a gift from Jesus. You know why I can say that? Because I have visited the top floor of Cadillac in the last several months, several times. I've visited the top floor of Cadillac on the ICU ward, and I can testify to you that if you can breathe on your own, that's a gift from God. It's a gift every day if you can breathe. On if your heart's beating, if you ate breakfast this morning, if you drove a car here today, or if you're able to walk here today, if you had a ride every moment, every day, if you're surrounded with friends, if we have a church, everything, everything, everything is a gift from God, regardless of what you have. It is all a precious gift from the Savior, from the King. Regardless if your talent is one, regardless if your talent is five, doesn't matter. It all is a gift from Jesus. 
every breath, every day, everything that you have, great or small, comes from Christ. Is it friends that He's blessed you with that watch out for you and help you every day? What is it in your life? In this parable, He's talking about money. And so it applies there as well. Utilize your finances for the glory of Christ. This is true in the short run. It's true in the long run. How are you in the short run using your finances for the glory of Jesus, for the spread of his gospel? How in the long run are you utilizing the gifts that God has given you financially to expand the kingdom of Christ? Let me encourage you here in about a month's time frame. Not only are we going to be doing the, uh, doing the boxes that we, that we just talked about, the, the Christmas boxes, Operation Christmas child, I encourage you to engage in that this year. But in December, we're going to be giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering to support our international missionaries, whom we've known several over the last over the last couple of years that have been here in our midst. Some are here right now in this room this morning, and are going to be going out around the world to share the gospel. And the only way they can do that is if God's people are generous to do that. Let's be all about God's kingdom business in this world so that the gospel can get out to the nations. Let's be about that. We have an example of this recently in our church of both planning for the immediate and planning for the long term. Just recently in our church, actually in the last couple of years, we've had a couple of members who have passed away and have left a significant gift to the church upon their passing. And here in, the, on, in two weeks, actually, two weeks from today, November 14th at 6 p.m., we're going to have a business meeting. And in that business meeting, we're going to talk about that gift. They remained anonymous. They didn't, weren't in it for that. They were just in it for the glory of Jesus. They wanted to leave a blessing to the church. And we're going to hear a recommendation from the, the finance team and also the trustees on what should we do with those gifts. First and foremost, we want to be good stewards of that gifts. And our recommendation, first of all, is that we give a significant portion of that away to missions. Then we just give it to the glory of Jesus among the nations through the cooperative program. Second thing we think we should do and designate that or, and, and use that gift for is, everybody see that light right there that's out? Why is it out? The reason why that light right there is out is because we have now purchased every single one of those bulbs that is available on eBay. <laughs> they don't make them anymore. <laughs> In fact, those lights and those lights all over were actually installed before I was born. <laughs> Praise the Lord for lights that work that long, amen? <laughs> but we've come to a time, and not only that, but if you were here last year at Christmas, on Christmas Eve, normally at Christmas Eve, when we dim the lights in the room, we dim the lights in the room and we start lighting the candles and pass. I love that. I'm looking forward to that again this year. But you know, we weren't able to dim lights this year. Do you know why? Because <laughs> it's broke. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. And so we need to fix that. And in fact, we have an estimate to be able to figure what we'll be talking about on that. But not only to that, but to replace these with LEDs so that it's more energy efficient in our house and also less hot up here. Oh, my word. <laughs> and also so that in the choir, the choir over here, you'll notice dark spots in the choir. 
And so that'll actually fix all of that to where we're able to have better lighting in the room. The balance of that amount, our recommendation, is that we use the balance of that amount to pay off, praise the Lord, we're going to use the rest of it to be able to pay off half of our remaining indebtedness as a church. Praise the Lord. And so God has been faithful. God has been good through his people. I know that several of you have similar plans in your estates as well. I want to encourage you in that to both in life and in death live for the glory of Jesus so that the gospel can continue on. Missionaries can be supported years and decades, maybe even a hundred years after you are here on this planet. What does it mean to manage your money well? regardless of whether however many talents you have or what God has blessed you, maybe a lot, maybe it's more like your story is more like the widow's might. The one who had just a few pennies to use for Jesus. What does that look like? Let me encourage you. One of the ways to follow this parable and to use the gifts that God has given you, notice he is using a financial illustration here. How can you use your finances for the glory of Jesus? Live below your means. Live below your means. We had a sign in our church in Kentucky. We put it out on the sign. It says, God promises to meet all of your needs, not all of your greeds. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Sometimes I have a hard time in my own soul knowing the distinction. Anybody with me on that? <laughs> God promises to meet all your needs. Live below your means. Pay off your debt. Stay out of debt. Give generously, save and invest wisely as much as you can for the future. If you need help in this particular area, we often have Dave Ramsey classes at our church. He gives some phenomenal uh, advice from a Christian worldview. I'd commend that to you. Or other financial counseling, get it, but work hard. Cut up the credit cards, spend less than you make, and invest for the glory of Jesus. Now, while this illustration Jesus gives here in this passage, he's certainly talking about finances. We don't need to limit it to that. He's talking about whatever the Lord has given you in your life. Use it all for the glory of Jesus. Well, some may have more or less financial capability than others. Some may have more or less finances than others. We all have the exact same amount of time every day, 24 hours. What are you going to do with the 24 Jesus gives you today? What are you going to do with your seconds? What are you going to do with your time? It is the great equalizer. Nobody can make, now I know next weekend we have daylight savings, you get an extra hour, but so does everybody else. <laughs> what are you going to use on Saturday, your 25 hours? Four. I give you permission to sleep an extra hour, by the way. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but what are you going to use your time for? What about your talents? Are you... What is that special gift or ability that you have? Are you good at fixing things? My goodness, God can use that. We have over 50 widows in our church. Do you think any of them might ever have something around their house that might need fixing, might need to be fixed? Oh, absolutely. There are many things that need to be fixed. If you have that gift and ability, use it for the glory of Jesus. We can use it right now for the glory of Christ. When maybe your help is, or maybe your gift is caring for children. Maybe you have a special gift. They just love to be around kids. They just love children. God can use that gift. God can work through you to be a blessing to a child. I still to this day remember a guy named Richard who taught 
Sunday school when I was just about five or six he probably thought that I never listened to a word that he said but I remember him I remember his name I remember all of the lessons that he used to put on flannel graph behind me <laughs> and I remember Jesus that his love for Jesus and his love for me I was probably the uh, in fact a lot of times I went to a small church I was a lot of times I was the only kid in his class <laughs> but look at what I mean God it's his investment in the kingdom I praise God for him. I wouldn't be here today without faithful people like that. Use your gift for the glory of Jesus. Maybe it's listening to somebody. Maybe your gift is, I don't like to talk. I just like to listen to people. My goodness, we need that gift today. Lots of folk like to talk. Not very many folk like to listen. <laughs> Did you know there was a, somebody in New York City that actually paid for their college by putting an ad in the paper? And here was the ad. I will listen to whatever you need to say for $15 an hour several years ago. They paid their entire college tuition and their phone rang off of the wall because people are desperate. I just need to talk to somebody. You know, we have counselors that do that, but you know what? Believers can do that as well. Maybe you just good at sitting down at a cup of coffee and just listen to somebody just share their problems help them through it maybe you can do that what is it that you god has gifted you with maybe it's cooking we could use that i could use that we could all use that <laughs> our church could use that we need help on wednesday nights we need help but there's people that that are sick that'd be great if you just brought a meal over to them do you know how much of a blessing that is if you're sick or stressed out or something's going on in your life and you take the pressure, you alleviate the pressure of a meal, bringing that to somebody. Maybe that's the way you can use it. Maybe you have a, a gift of faith and prayer. Maybe you could just take the prayer list and be that prayer warrior that nobody knows that you spend your time praying for other people. But God knows and God will reward it on that day. What is the gift that God has given you? Begin with the end in mind and be ready. Be ready for that day. Pray for that day to come that that you see Jesus face to face and regardless of whether anybody else in the universe ever knows about it, Jesus knows about it and it'll be worth it if he says to you on that day, well done, good and faithful servant. I know nobody else saw it. I know nobody else ever recognized it, but I saw it. You'll be rewarded with much. Enter into the joy of your master. That's beginning with the end in mind. Titus 2.14 says it like this. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. That eagerness of works is the why Jesus has redeemed us. 1 Corinthians 15.58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now back to the parable. We know that the master was away for a little while. He comes back. We don't know how long he was gone. Perhaps years. It's illustrative of Jesus' second coming. We don't know how long he's going to tarry. We don't know how long he's going to be away. But he's coming again. They, the master comes back and he calls the servants to give an account. The first one says, Master, you gave me five talents. I got five more. I earned five more. I invested it and I got 100% profit. Same thing with the second guy. The master says the exact same words to both. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. You will be given many things. Enter into the joy of your master. 
that is the most important evaluation you can have of your life is the evaluation of that one with nail-scarred hands with a Galilean accent speaking to you and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. That brings us to principle two. Those who faithfully work for the kingdom and, and enhance it will be both commended and rewarded for their efforts. What are the rewards that Jesus gives there in in, in Jesus' reply, the Master's reply, there are three rewards that he gives. First of all, is praise-filled approval. Praise-filled uh, filled approval. Many of you long to hear that voice of approval, that word of encouragement, that word that somebody shares with you. Hey, you're doing a good job. There's some of you who have worked in your job for decades and never heard anybody tell you that. And while bonuses are nice and raises are nice, you would love just to hear your boss or somebody say, hey, good job. I appreciate you. Know that you can live with the end in mind that living your life for Jesus, you will hear that voice in that day. Some of you long to hear it from a spouse. Some of you have never heard it from a parent. Some of you seem to have never heard it from anybody. And know that regardless of how often you hear it or not, there is coming a day if you invest your life for Jesus, if you live your life for Jesus, that one day Jesus will look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. The first blessing that he gives is praise-filled approval. Secondly, he gives us the reward of more responsibility. He gives them, he says, you will be entrusted with much. Now, here's where we need to get rid of in our minds this whole idea of a Tom and Jerry heaven. Now, what do I mean by the Tom and Jerry heaven? You watch Tom and Jerry where the cat dies and goes up to heaven. And what does he do there? He gets a harp and a robe and he sits on a cloud, strums it, bored out of his mind. That is not the heaven I want to go to. <laughs> I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to the other place either, but that's equally... Equally, a, a not, the, not an accurate portrait. <laughs> Tom and Jerry heaven's not even a real thing. When Jesus talks about heaven, he says, you will be given much. You will be responsible for much. They, it's described in the scripture as a city, as a society, as a world, as a new heavens and new earth, as a new universe to explore, as a place where you will have responsibilities yet without the curse of sin in this world in this life. It's what you love to do with none of the hard stuff, none of the broken stuff, none of the fallen stuff, the joy stuff. I love what John MacArthur says in his commentary about this. I can't improve on what he says, so I'll just read it. He says the following. He says, of the many things heaven will be, it will not be boring. Amen. Our heavenly perfection, for example, will not be a matter simply of never making a mistake. Nor will it always be making a hole in one or a home run, as it were. Rather, it will be a time of ever-expanding and increasingly joyous service. And the saints who will then serve the most and rejoice the most will be those who have served the Lord most steadfastly while on earth. Every soul in heaven will equally possess eternal life and will be equally righteous, equally Christ-like, and equally glorious. Everyone will be equally perfect because perfection has no degrees. The difference will be in opportunities and levels of service. 
Just as the angels serve God in ranks, so will redeemed men and women, and the degree of their heavenly service will be determined by their devotedness of their earthly service. Heaven will not involve different qualities of service because everything heavenly is perfect. Everything done for the Lord will be perfectly right and perfectly satisfying. There will be no distinctions of superiority or inferiority, and there will be no envy, jealousy, or any other remnant of sinful human nature. Whatever one's rank or responsibility or opportunity, those will be God's perfect will for that individual and therefore will be perfectly enjoyed. In a way that is beyond our present comprehension, believers will be both equal and unequal in the millennium and the eternal state. Those who are faithful in much will be given much. And so, how do you begin with the end in mind? Whatever it is that the Lord has given you in this life, however long He gives you in this life, be faithful with that. What else does the Lord give? The Lord gives commendation. The Lord gives more responsibility. And the Lord gives joy. He says, enter into the joy of your master. Hebrews 12, 2 says it like this. Jesus, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. How do you get through a time like we have today where everybody's stressed out, everybody is frustrated, everybody is tired? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> How do we get through that? Just like Jesus, who for the joy set before him, he kept his eyes on the prize, kept his eye on the end, endured the cross. So endured whatever we have in this life to endure. You endure that. You carry your cross for Jesus. You follow Jesus. You endure that. Why? Because you know that the joy is coming. You know that the joy is going to be dawn, dawning. You know that when you see him on that day, he's not just using empty words. When he goes into that gate, wherever he goes next, into the new heavens and the new earth this guy is going to be experiencing inexpressible joy full of glory the half has never been told keep that in mind don't live for joy that lasts a moment and is gone like puff of smoke in the wind live for joy that is everlasting and if you are offered everlasting delight give yourself give everything that you've got in order to get it Get everlasting joy at all costs. It's worth so much more. C.S. Lewis said, we are too easily satisfied. That's why we go on making mud pies in the slum when we cannot imagine what is offered by a holiday at the sea. That is the good news of Jesus. Everything in, all in for Jesus. Everything for His kingdom and His glory and not momentary piddly joy that, you know, goes away so quickly, but everlasting joy. Live for that. What about the other guy? Let's cover him pretty quickly. The other guy, the one talent guy, comes to Jesus and he gives this pathetic spiel in verse 24 and 25 that reveals how he really feels about God. You're hard. You're harsh. And I'm just doing this because I have to. It's like this. How do you think Mandy would react if I came home on our anniversary and had a beautiful bouquet of flowers? And I came home and worked that day, and I came home and I said, she, I said, it's our anniversary. She said, I know. And I give her some flowers. 
And she said, oh, Travis, you shouldn't have. And I said, I know. <laughs> it was my duty. <laughs> Are we going to have a good anniversary that year? <laughs> 22 is not going to be like that. That's in January. It's not going to be like that, right? <laughs> It's going to be better than that. <laughs> Let's change this to the same scenario. Let's see, what if I went to her and I said, I said to her, sweetheart, it's our anniversary and I got you these. And she said, oh, you shouldn't have. And I said, it's my delight because of how much I love you so much and 22 years has been the greatest years of my life. How do you think she'll respond then? It's my joy to do this for you. <laughs> it's the greatest day of the week. It's the greatest day of the year, right? And yet we as believers, which one are you? The one with one talent says, it's my duty. I don't like doing this, but I don't have to. Here you go. Or are we serving the Lord out of a delight for the glory of Jesus, for salvation, for his kingdom? Because we love Jesus. Because we love Jesus. That's enough because he's Jesus. And I love him, and you love him as well. This person is a person who has a profession of faith. It's just words, no life transformation, no love, no heart, just words, just words. And that brings us to principle three. Those who do not use their gifts and kingdom resources will be condemned and separated from the very presence of God. Listen, faith that doesn't love Jesus isn't saving faith. Faith that doesn't delight in God isn't saving faith. It's just words. The principle of this parable is this. If you were to boil it down to one thing, one sentence, here it is. Beware of a faith that is more concerned with not getting anything wrong than taking risks and making the most of every opportunity for Christ. Beware of a faith that just says, I just don't want to get anything wrong. I'm just going to bury it in the ground. I know he's, he's tough. I'm just going to bury it in the ground and, and not try and not work hard and I'm just going to bury it in the ground because you're more afraid of making a mistake than taking risks and making every opportunity count for the kingdom. Where are you at in your life? Do you know what the five most tragic words you could ever say are? The five most tragic words you could ever say in your life are this. Come to the end of your life and say, I wish I would have. Begin with the end in mind. May the Lord say to each one of us, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's take a moment of silence to meditate on these things, then we'll pray and we'll have a time of response where if you need to trust in Christ, I encourage you to come. Or if you need to come and pray, I encourage you to come. But why don't you meditate on these things for a moment and then we'll stand and we'll respond. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we examine our hearts before you, that you would help us to examine our motivations. 
even as these last two chapters of the book of Matthew help us to remember the end and keep the end in mind of why we do the things that we do, Lord, help us to know our own motives and our own thoughts about you. And Lord, do we serve you out of delight in Jesus and love for our King and gratitude for your saving grace? Or will we begrudgingly going through the motions? And Lord, I pray that you would help us to examine our souls. And Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts so that our delight is in Jesus. That our longing is to please our Savior and King. And to use our time, use our years, use our talents, use our finances, use everything that we have. Lord, for the glory of Jesus. Regardless of what that looks like and where you've blessed us and Lord, I pray that you would help us to use all of that for the glory of Christ in this day. Longing for that word, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, I pray for those who know you, that you'd help us to be more faithful to you, and for those who do not yet know you as Savior, and Lord, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, work during this time of response. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you need to trust in Christ as Savior, why don't you come? I'd love to introduce you to Christ. I'll be right here. Just come on forward, and I'd love to encourage you. If you need to come and pray, why don't you come and pray? But you respond as we sing. Let's all sing together our response.